Hey, what's going on, coffee people? I hope you are having a wonderful day. Today on Coffee People, we have our friend from over at Parkville Coffee, Nick Brown. He is the head roaster there, and he makes some wonderful things. He is also just a great human being, and every time I get to see him, uh, makes my day. So we had a great conversation um, at the loft of the Parkville Coffee House, and got to know or got to go got to know Nick even better, and it was a great conversation. I appreciate his time. Um, make sure to go check out uh, the Parkville Coffee Shop in downtown Parkville. It is a unique space, very cool. And without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Thank you. That sounds good. Hey, coffee fans. My name is Ethan, and I'm here with the KC Coffee Collective, hanging out with Nick Brown of Parkville Coffee. He is the head roaster here, and we're up in the lovely, what is this, like, or would you call it, like a loft? Or just upstairs? Maybe it's not a loft, but anyway. So, the, I was just thinking when I was sitting, like, setting all this up, like, damn, like, I wish this was just my bachelor pad. <laughs> If I had a bachelor pad to escape to. But anyway, here's Nick. Hello, hello. So I messed up. I'm just going to sound far away for the entire podcast because I forget or lost the other hookup to the other mic. So I'll just yell. All right. So, Nick, uh, you want to give yourself a brief introduction to the folks? Uh, yeah, I'm Nick Brown. I'm the roaster here at Parkville Coffee House. Uh, I've been working here for about three years, and I've been roasting for about two and a half of those three years now, so cool. pretty uh, pretty well hip deep into it, I would say. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so first question, this whole hand back and forth thing is going to be fun, uh, <laughs> but oh well. Um, all right, so first thing to dive into this, you know, you always have, you haven't always roasted coffee, so how did you get into the head roasting position here at Parkville? Well, um, back when I was in college, uh, I was going down to school in Warrensburg. Uh, I was actually doing jazz and commercial music studies down there. Uh, and I needed a job that would not interfere with my, um, uh, music schedule, which was a lot of late night studio stuff and a lot of, you know, playing around town and driving up to Kansas city on weeknights and stuff. So I couldn't do the usual work at a restaurant or work at a bar thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could wake up at four in the morning and go make coffee for people. So I still didn't get any sleep, but it's yeah. kind of wood end of the day. Yeah. Uh, there was a little uh, cafe there in Warrensburg that was uh, owned by, uh, I don't know if they were a friend of mine then, but we became good friends, uh, at Old Drum Coffee House. And uh, it just kind of worked out perfectly that they needed someone about the same time I needed a job. And so uh, I got in there uh, just doing barista stuff. Uh, that was a bakery, too, and so I tried to bake a little bit, but pretty soon after that they said, you know, we'll just we'll stick with being a barista for you. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a good call. But I worked there for about a year and a half. Um, it was a pretty small shop, and it was pretty uh, slow, uh, other than the students during the week. So we'd get to, like, winter break or summer break, and uh, I'd had a lot of free time there to do... Um, uh, latte art and try and hone in on ratios and and just try and 
maximize what we get out of our machines there, which is, uh, you know, a lot of what it is when you're running a small business like this is we don't have the, the capital to go out and go, oh, well, I can just get this, you know, brand new brewer. It's like, okay, how can we find a way to make this work? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, graduated from school there, and then I moved back to KC so I could be part of a larger culture and around more of my friends. And uh, it just kind of worked out that I was working at a corporate coffee shop up the street. And I was like, man, I really wish that, like, it, I could feel like I was contributing to something or if I had um, an idea or, uh, oh, hey, you know, this might not be the most 100% efficient way to do this, but I have a, a way that will make it a better product overall or a better customer experience overall. Um, there's not a whole lot of room for that in a corporate environment. And uh, I had a friend that was working here at this coffee shop, and I just happened to be in the cafe one day. I think I was actually complaining to my mom who was with me. I was like, gosh, I really just wish I had a, a a more open job environment where I could really utilize, you know, some of my other skills that I have. And uh, the barista behind the counter was like, oh, here's a paper application. Fill that out. We need someone tomorrow. <laughs> and so it, it was just kind of the right place at the right time, you know. That's and awesome. uh, yeah. uh, I got to step in right there as a barista for a little while. I was actually working at both places until I kind of worked off my uh, two-week at the other other location, but yeah, I started out just doing barista stuff here, um, and I made a lot of friends, and then the the roaster who was here when I started mm-hmm. uh, was trying to get into some other job opportunities and had different aspirations outside of coffee, yeah. and uh, a lot of the busy work stuff in the back, um, putting labels on bags, and then trying to do that same kind of tweak the machine sort of stuff, uh, they needed some help with that. And it just so happened that I had some experience doing it. And so they're like, oh, well, you're cheap because you already have been hired. We don't have to outsource this to, you know, yeah. uh, a larger repair company. Yeah. And so I kind of started shipping and helping out a little bit with that. And then gradually over about a month and a half or so, it went from, you know, I'm working 95% of my time as a barista to I was working maybe 60% of my time as a barista and then spending some of the rest of it fixing things and then... Uh, some of that actually learning how to roast a little bit. Cool. And then uh, he kind of transitioned out as he started to do other things, and I stepped right into the role. I was right there to do it. Nice. And I really haven't looked back at it since then. Just kind of took it and ran with it, I guess. Awesome. So first question, I'm breaking the mold of my outline here. That pops into my head right there is, uh, so, okay. You're kind of learning, you know, you got a mentor-mentee thing going on. So at what point were you, uh, or like, do you remember the day that you roasted your first batch by yourself? And then, you know, how did that turn out? Like, do you, in that moment, were you like, oh, fuck yeah, man, I, you know, crushed it. And then today you look back and you're like, eh, you know. I, I can remember the first batch I did, um, and I hadn't been planning to do my first batch that day. I'd been doing a little bit of, like, kind of shadow him, and um, on our machine here, we don't have any, like, graphing technology, so yeah. uh, I'd done a few batches where um, he was doing the actual controls on the machine, and then I was just basically documenting what had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, yeah, you know, in, like, a month or two, you'll probably start doing your own stuff. And then uh, he ended up being sick one day, and it's like, well, we have orders, we got to get it done, and I'm the next most qualified person, even though I've never done it. Okay. And so um, it just worked out, and uh, I was terrified I was going to ruin the batch because I was like, oh, no, you know, 
you know, it's a, it's about a 20 pound batch. And so I was like, Oh, that's a lot of money if I mess this up. And, uh, I think the first one was good. And then the third one was good. And then I think the seventh one was good. But a lot of the ones in the middle there, it was like, Oh, someone opened the door and that threw off the temperature in the room and I didn't catch it fast enough. Yeah. Cause at that point it was like, after a batch, I could tell if I'd done it right. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have enough experience built up where I could go, oh, here's an indication that this is going to go sour. So it was a little, a little behind the curve there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I look back through my paper records now because I have all my stuff written out, you know, on a clipboard. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, oh, wow, I was, I was pretty inconsistent there at first. <laughs> there, was a, there was a learning curve. I was really interested in it, and I was really excited about doing it well, yeah. and so that it wasn't a very long curve, but I could, uh, I could definitely tell a difference when I started to get more consistent with what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love those first moments. Okay, so now, you know, so how long have you been roasting total? Uh, about two and a half years. Okay. So I've two- been in coffee for, I think, seven, so. Okay. Um, so roasting for two and a half years, um, can you kind of just explain to us like the whole story of Parkville coffee, like how you decide what you're going to buy, where you're going to buy from, um, and then kind of what you're going to make and just that whole, that whole line of how the coffee comes from, wherever it comes from to our cups with the good stuff in it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we have a, a very small operation here and a very small um, warehouse space. I put quotes around that because it's not really much of a warehouse. We can only hold about 15 bags of coffee in our cafe at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll go through that in about two and a half weeks or so. And so we have kind of a partnership or an agreement with a larger company that sources coffee internationally for us. And so they do all of the on-the-ground interactions at uh, Origin for us. Mm -hmm. And then they bring it here, and then we will uh, take green coffee and then sample roast it on our small sample roaster and kind of decide, oh, you know, I I think I like this profile on this one a little bit more, Um, kind of wheel down sort of what origin of coffee we're thinking about getting, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then pick it through that uh, middle supplier there. Otherwise, we'd have to be, you know, buying coffee on orders of hundreds of bags at a time. Yeah. And logistically, we just don't have anywhere to put it. Yeah. Um, but what's kind of neat about that is that a lot of the lots of coffee that we're buying aren't lots that you can get consistently year to year or um, even season to season. Mm-hmm. Um, we have kind of that flexibility that we can find a a particular batch that's maybe only like 10 or 12 bags or sometimes even four or five Mm -hmm. and go, wow, you know, this is guy has a great story. Um, you know, he's a single farmer guy out there and we can, we can support him directly through this, uh, middle company here. And then they can make it worth, uh, shipping the coffee here without, uh, exponentially raising the price on it for, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so we can, um, we go to different cuppings with our supplier, and then we also do our own cuppings here internally. Uh, We tend to keep, I think it's four or five of the same general regions of coffee available all year round, and then we'll recombine those in different blends seasonally. So like in the summertime, we'll kind of make our cold brew coffee more available, and we have a a specific blend for that that we decide the profile of here. And then we also have a... uh, you know, Christmas blend that we do when we do our festival stuff here in the wintertime. 
Uh, and so those ones are kind of recombinations of the same general coffees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do also have a reserve slot open, which okay. I think is a lot of fun because that's where we can get a little bit more experimental. Yeah. Find a, a cup of coffee that maybe your standard person going to a diner who just wants you know a 50-cent cup of coffee, they're not going to appreciate it, but mm-hmm. then we can, uh, we can reach a little bit and get something a little more uh, interesting. Yeah. We've done that with uh, a Puerto Rican coffee, we did that with a Nicaraguan coffee too, uh, pretty recently, and right now we've got this Sumatran that I'm very happy with. Okay, it's um, it's kind of funky and earthy, but also bright. It doesn't have the typical kind of like berry sweetness that you would think of from a natural, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's very different from anything else we have. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun learning that coffee as I roast it, and then uh, getting to try that, and you know having the regulars come through the shop and go, wow, I've never had anything like that before. I'm like, yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. Some some variance in there, you know? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, you said the Sumatran. Uh, Mike at Encore Coffee was telling me the same thing last week mm-hmm. about a Sumatran that he uh, got in. Well, it's very cool. So uh, question about, so I just did, um, so... In the other podcast that I just did, um, you know, sometimes a roaster uses a middleman and not a middleman. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, so what does the, I guess, the middle guy do for you? So is he pretty good, or I don't even know if it's a guy, the company, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good about, like, so you guys know the story of the farmer and so on and so on? Mm-hmm. Most of the coffee that we buy... Uh, through them comes from either an individual farmer or a very small group of farmers. Um, And so we do, a lot of times he'll actually have the farmer or the owner of the property uh, travel to the United States with him, and we'll get to meet him and talk to him. And uh, uh, our provider goes out to origin a lot of times. And while he's there, we'll like get phone conversations or FaceTime interactions with him. And so we're not like, you know, best buds. I'm sure they don't know my name, but uh, we're... We're aware of what the person is, and there's kind of a human connection there that's still nice to have. Um, and a nice thing about buying on the smaller side or buying through these specialty coffee channels the way that we have, uh, a lot of these farmers aren't large enough to get um, like USDA organic mm-hmm. uh, indications, and they're not large enough to get um, that kind of international notoriety. Yeah. Uh, but we can still pay them like, uh, a fair trade rate on it. Awesome. You know, they don't, maybe, maybe they don't have like the fair trade TM on their, mm-hmm. uh, their packaging, but it's like, we know that this person is getting a fair deal on it because yeah. we trust our provider in the middle and we're not, you know, yeah. pulling the rug out from people, which is, is nice. There's so many jobs I feel like in the world that are kind of based around other people's misfortune. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's nice to, to feel that you're making a positive difference for individuals' lives and then they're making a positive difference for us. So, yeah. Awesome. It's very nice. Yeah. And, yeah, I just like to highlight, you know, the different ways the roasters get their coffee because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want anyone to listen to this and be like, okay, well, one versus the other, you know, because a lot of you have the same the same intent of doing the best for the farmer, doing the best for the customers, and, you know, just getting the best stuff that you can. So I like to... Because, you know, when I first started getting into coffee, I didn't really get what it meant when whatever I saw what on the bag. Mm-hmm. So 
just to give some clarity there, because um, I definitely can't explain it that great. Okay, so um, how do you, one thing that, you know, coffee is definitely an art form. So one thing I always like to ask the people that are roasting it, just like, how do you know that you've just crushed it? All right, like, when you get done roasting, and you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then what are some of, you know, besides the Sumatra and just over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, maybe your top three roasts that you've done yourself mm-hmm. and what they were? Well, um, Sorry. you're fine. A lot of the way you can tell how well your your batch went of, you know, well, especially when I was starting out was definitely after I've already completed it. And then I can kind of compare it to the other ones and go, oh, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, one thing that, uh, it's not a specific batch, but when I got to the point where uh, the variance in terms of the finished product uh, was down less than about 2% from batch to batch, okay. um, that's when I felt that I was able to compensate a lot for the, the variables of the environment that I was working in, mm-hmm. you know, the humidity that day or the humidity of the, the bean or, or whatever. Um, when I started to be able to account for that on the fly, that was a really good feeling. Yeah. And I could tell that, you know, after the batches and I could compare numbers week to week or month to month. And they were, you know, within the margin of error of my machines. I was like, okay, great. I'm, now I'm starting to actually get this. Now I can branch each of these uh, profiles out and try and um, uh, get the best specificity for that mm-hmm. particular uh, batch. Okay. Uh, in terms of ones that I'm most proud of, um, there's the Sumatra, like I was just saying a minute ago, that I'm, I'm very happy with. Uh, the Christmas blend this most recent year, and then actually a last year, that'd be the 2017 season, mm-hmm. that one had a Costa Rica in it, and I was very, very happy with that. That was my first foray where I was truly uh, confident doing uh combinations of different flavors like that. I had a nice complimentary thing going on there. The Costa Rica had a real bright, uh, acidic kind of flavor to it, but and then I balanced it out with a, I'm pretty sure it was a Guatemalan coffee, but it was a, a full wash Guatemala, so it didn't have that same kind of um, intensity on the, the acidity there, but it was very good, and I was very happy with that. Yeah. And it was kind of neat because it was like the special Christmas blend, so everybody is excited about it at that time of year, and I got yeah. to go around to all my friends and family and be like, hey, look, I made this. You know, I did each of the individual ones in here. I picked all these coffees. I made the batch. I made the ratios and the the combination there, and it it was a very nice moment for me. Yeah. It was it was nice. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I love it. Um, hey, do you have any of the Sumatran I can, get? I can uh, buy off you tonight? Yeah, I definitely have some. Dope. That way I can fill my full coffee cabinet even more. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, there's, uh, yeah, I and I used this analogy in the last podcast, but, um, but there is just that feeling like when you, you know, you really feel like you get in. It's with anything, like I'm sure you felt it in music at one point or, um, you know, for me, it's, that's like how it is with photography, you know, for there, there's just those pictures where you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's kind of a, there's kind of a developmental thing too that uh, I've applied to a lot of the, the different things I've done. 
I feel like you're either getting better at something or you're getting stagnant with something. Yeah. And I, uh, if it's something that I'm going to do for a long time, you know, like the music thing that I do outside of this or um, the coffee production thing, I always try and improve it in some way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that doesn't always come across, you know, in a cup and say, oh, you know, I'm trying to make the coffee better today. Sometimes it's like, you know, I want to make my cleaning schedule more efficient. Or I want to see if there's a uh, a new market I can try and reach. I feel like if you're um, if you're actively trying to improve what you're doing, or you're trying to further your depth of knowledge or your breadth of understanding on it, it uh, it keeps it interesting and it keeps it fresh. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like if I just came in and said, "Okay, I've learned how to do this. This is good. This is good enough," and you can just stop and kind of do the same thing, you know, there's there's something nice about the consistency of that, but it's just not. I need that developmental aspect to it. You know, yeah. I need that that new challenge or that new corner or that new wrinkle I'm trying to to understand. And with the infinite number of variables that there are in coffee, I feel like it really lends itself to that kind yeah. of constant development. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can, you know, you get this mantrain, but then, you know, you're going to pump out the house blend and that's mm-hmm. you know, the same thing. As it goes, I don't know. I always like catch myself whenever I'm doing big hand gestures. It's like no one's going to see this. (laughs) But, you know, whatever, whatever. Okay. All right. So, one of the things I always wonder um, you know, you and uh, Kristen just took a, you know, you've been kind of the ones driving the new version of Parkville Coffee for the last couple years, right? Mm hmm. So, um, you know, I remember, you know, it was a couple years ago, if not more, that I first came into the shop and, you know, just the vibe now, the packaging, you know, how people in this area love this place. When we had our sign-up shop that one Saturday, I mean, it was, it was insane. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's out the door, the entire bottom's full, the entire top, and... Yeah, they just love you guys. They love the vibe. Mm-hmm. So you're already a success in that way. But, you know, where where do you guys see this um, going? Or, you know, where do you want it to go? Where do you want your coffee that you make to go? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, we're very, very happy that the, with the growth and success that we've had here in our cafe. Um, we're still a relatively new company, I think. Oh, gosh, I wasn't here when they opened. I think it was 2010 or 2011. So we're still pretty fresh on the scene. And then uh, the whole coffee culture in Kansas City has really exploded, at least in my recent memory of the last, you know, maybe five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we've definitely been happy to be a part of that wave there. Um, In terms of the future, uh, we've been really enjoying getting our coffee into um, venues and markets that it wouldn't necessarily be able to be in. We have our mobile coffee bar thing that we have set up where we can go and, you know, provide coffee at a fireman's ball or do weddings or uh, get to places you wouldn't necessarily accept or expect a, uh, a coffee shop to pop up to. Yeah. And that's always fun because then you get to have these individual interactions with people and they go, oh, that's so cool that you guys can come out and do that. And we're like, yeah, you know, and kind of reach an audience that we wouldn't normally be able to. Mm-hmm. And then um, in terms of, like, company growth, we've been doing a lot of uh, wholesale expansion. We're in grocery stores. We do um, festivals and stuff now. We 
I mean, we served coffee at the Brew Festival in Parkville here last year. Yeah. Um, You're on KC Coffee Boy. Yeah, we're a part of this subscription service, which is, again, reaching all kinds of uh, audiences that we wouldn't necessarily get to. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of growth in there. Um, at some point, it'd be wonderful if we uh, if we had enough sale outside of our individual building that we were able to have like a separate roasting facility. Yeah. Because our uh, our little cafe here was built in 1852. I want to say the plaque on the front of the building says, "You can go through our cafe and you can find the uh, the rough cut um, rafters still that were you know sawed by hand and." You can go, oh, yeah, that's where they ran the electrical lines, you know, 60 years after the business opened. And there's always people that come through the shop and they go, oh, wow, you know, why does that wall look that way? I'm like, well, that used to be the back wall. Or you go in the basement and you find tunnels between all the different buildings in Parkville. And so there's a really neat historic aspect to it. But the practicality of that, you know, oh, every bag of coffee I have to throw on my shoulder and drag through the cafe to get in the back room, you know, be kind of nice to have a shipping dock sometimes yeah yeah we just got our uh, our first dedicated delivery van and so that's been a big help but yeah you know having a space where we could say oh yeah we can house so many hundred bags of coffee in here and then this venue or this uh location here in parkville would be uh we could expand our seating out of the back a little bit and, and do that sort of thing but yeah it is kind of fun working in the the uh constraints of the the environment we have here and yeah I don't know, little challenges and stuff. Yeah. It's it's always fun. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, I can't wait to see how happy you are when you do get your own mm-hmm. warehouse and mm-hmm. then you continue being even more of an evil genius of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we're getting into the closing comments here. We'll get serious, then we'll keep it light and fun. You know, audience, you don't even know what's coming. Actually, I don't know what's coming. So, um, what? So, my final like big question for you is, um, and I always like to get this perspective. Um, and part of this show specifically, you know, longer form content to bring people closer to the story, you know, of what you do. And you know, what would what would you want your message to be to the people that are having your coffee or any other roasters coffee around here? Or, you know, just what would you want them to know about what is going on behind the scenes, so to speak? Well, um, I'd like them to know that we're a small business. And so, you know, when you come in here and you tip us an extra dollar or you go, you know, I really want to drive out to Parkville and get that that specific kind of coffee and you support uh, a small business, it makes a, a very real impact on you know, an individual's life, similar to how we can have a very real impact on like an individual farmer's life. Yeah. Um, that like human interaction there is is very interesting and very um I think kind of unique to the coffee world Mm -hmm. because it does, you know, reach internationally. Yeah. Um, So I'd want them to know that, you know, they're having a a profound impact on my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, I really love my job here. I love that I get to, to go to work every day and do something that I enjoy and that I can feel like I can develop in. Yeah. Um, And then I also want people to know that you don't have to be uh, an expert or a connoisseur Mm -hmm. uh, to, have an enjoyable experience in a cafe. Yeah. 
you can go in and say, you know, I don't know what I want. And then, you know, ask the barista, you know, hey, I, I kind of like these things. Um, I'm looking for something I haven't tried before. And then we enjoy that kind of um, creative aspect to it of mm-hmm. making an Im- individual experience there. And you don't have to feel intimidated by it. It can it can be like a surface level sort of thing, but still, uh, still make it really enjoyable. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, I know I'm kind of preaching my, about my own thing here, but finding something that you can be developmental about finding a a way that you can always have your day be a little bit better than the last one, you know, even if that's okay, well, now I'm just going to try and get up this morning again, you know, having that, having that curve and that arc is, is so important in life and, and everything you try and do, you know, whether it's, this or, or that or, you know. Well, that was freaking beautiful, Nick, so thank you. Um, I will just leave it at that, but, yeah, great answer. And we know the people will appreciate it. Okay, you ready for some rapid fire to close this puppy up? Yeah. Okay. If I ask you the three questions in a row so then I can hand you back the mic, will you remember them? Probably. Okay. <laughs> All right. First question, what's your favorite animal? Okay. Second question, what's your favorite coffee besides Parkville coffee? Mm-hmm. Third question, if you ha- when you make coffee at home, mm-hmm. what is your preferred method? Okay. So favorite animal, first off, is going to be a horse. I grew up horseback riding out the back of my house. Uh, this morning I was out helping my mom do stuff. I just, I love horses. Oh, I lost him. I remember the third one. Okay, go with the third one. Okay, I remember that uh, when I'm at home, uh, my preferred way to make coffee, it kind of varies on the coffee, but I've been really loving French press right now. Um, I just, I love the body of it. I love the depth of it. And I love that I don't have to use paper filters and I can clean it all out and it's it's good to go. Um, Oh, and then my favorite coffee that isn't the coffee that I make here. Mm -hmm. Um... It changes, but I, right now I'd have to say it's the coffee they make at Opera House. Okay. Uh, a good friend of mine, Trevor, uh, works over there now, and he, uh, he and I get along really well, and I've really enjoyed going in and tasting his take on some of the similar coffee. Some of the coffee that I buy, too, but it's uh, yeah. his spin on it is really interesting, and I like it. Cool. All right, awesome. So you reach out to Nick if you need coffee and or horseback riding lessons. He's available. Um, Play yeah. Music for you. <laughs> yeah, and and then play jazz all at the same time because yep. he's just that awesome. Well, Nick, I had a blast. Hope you had a blast. We're definitely gonna have to do a round two at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I don't have a good tagline, so <laughs> see you later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the episode. Again, this is Coffee People Podcast, brought to you by the KC Coffee Collective. My name is Ethan Essig, and I am your host. If you want to learn more about KC Coffee Collective, feel free to stop by our website at kccoffeecollective.co. And if you want to get to know Nick and the team more Parkville Coffee, just Google Parkville Coffee House and go visit them in person because it is worth it. And if you want to get any other coffee, make sure and sign up to caseycoffeecollective.co. All right. Well, have a great day. Thank you.